I was just reading that the Yellowstone prequel 1932 has been renamed 1923. Oh, traveling back in time. It makes me wonder, do you think that the people in charge, I guess Taylor Sheridan, do you think that he just like wanted to do something in a certain time period but didn't know American history well enough and then like as he started writing it realized, oh, like the 30s was the depression i actually wanted this to be set in like the roaring 20s maybe i don't know i feel like he probably can just do whatever the heck he wants (laughs) so maybe he just thought it was going to be more interesting to go further back in time and then maybe like weird yeah i mean the show could progress over time i guess to a point in the 30s and maybe he realized that wasn't the best place to start or something maybe I'll be interested to see. I I think this in a way has made me even more interested to see what it's going to be like. I still can't believe Helen Mirren is going to be in it. That is pretty crazy. (laughs) That um, reminds me of the new season of Hacks, the one episode where um, Ava tells Deborah that the main character in the show that... Well, I guess I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. But anyway, Ava says that the main character of this show is going to be played by Helen Mirren, but she's not sure if it's going to be get picked up. And Deborah starts throwing things at her because, of course, it's going to get picked up if it's Helen Mirren. <laughs> that was one of my favorites from the new season of Hacks. I really, really liked that joke because, I don't know, anytime Deborah throws anything, <laughs> it's always so funny to me. Yes. So... I was listening to a podcast earlier today that was talking about Pride Month. And in today's episode, I, I, I think we can rip the Band-Aid off. We're going to be talking about queer TV shows, I guess. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> or shows that have been important to the queer community, I guess, maybe, even if they aren't directly about queer people, per right. se. So I was listening to a podcast that was talking about all of the insane things companies are doing to celebrate pride. Mm. And I had not seen this, and I don't know if you did, but I guess Burger King is doing some burger specials where you can get two bottom buns or two top buns for Pride Month. (laughs) Um, I did not see that, but that's interesting. Okay. First of all, who wants two of the same bun for their burger? Uh, That does seem like it would be a little bit harder to eat, like, (laughs) a a burger with two top buns. (laughs) Like, it doesn't seem like it would squish down as well to be able to fit in your mouth. But, but you know what? Sometimes the bottom bun does disintegrate. It does. And maybe two tops is better than a top and a bottom. In this case, perhaps it is. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I thought that was crazy. Because I feel like this year, more than any other year, I remember in the past, I feel like every single company has gone, like, balls to the wall, like, let's celebrate Pride, which is ultimately, I think, kind of cool. But it does feel like some of the stuff I've been seeing, I'm just like, oh, who thought of this? (laughs) A perfect example of that is... 
that Postmates oh, yeah. put out a video <laughs> where they were really hyping their bottom-friendly menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're saying that it's backed by science and they collaborated with, uh, I don't know if it was a dietitian or who, It was a surgeon. A, a surgeon of, like, internal medicine or something. But anyway, yeah, they were very proudly promoting this menu that they developed that was supposed to be friendly to, to people who like to receive... <laughs> and yeah. the whole video, I don't know if you have watched it, but it no. just it feels very progressive and also homophobic at the same time. <laughs> it is my friends and I all laughed at it for several minutes because it just was so crazy how matter of fact they were presenting all of this stuff like we're you know doing something heroic here by finally providing this necessary information to the gays and it, it it probably isn't like actually anything that anybody didn't already know right but it's just so strange and hilarious and weird and fascinating and uh, i don't know if you get a chance go watch that (laughs) bottom friendly postmates video it'll give you a little chuckle they talked about that uh the podcast i was listening to it's my favorite podcast it's called sexy unique podcast and they Mm. also brought up the postmates thing when they were talking about the burger king bun debacle and (laughs) (laughs) i was just driving in my car laughing listening to it so you know what my favorite thing about pride month though is right at the end of pride month and into the beginning of july all of the stores that are carrying like pride branded merchandise will immediately put it on clearance because they're like we got to get this crap off of our shelves (laughs) because we only care about queer people during pride month so you can get some really good deals on like pride cereals some pride clothes and (laughs) Like, yeah, it's it's great for shopping. Aren't some cereals just, like, kind of pride all the time? Like, I feel like there's rainbow cereals. I feel like some of the mascots are bringing kind of, like, a gay energy. Well, sure. Like, I mean, Tony the Tiger is at least by Curious, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a dom top for sure. But, um... <laughs> No, like, yeah, Fruit Loops, Fruity Pebbles, mm-hmm. Lucky Charms, that leprechaun, there's no way that he isn't a little homo. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that our most of our favorite serial mascots have at least thought about it, but I don't think any of the companies are actively yeah. promoting their mascots as being gay. Right, yeah. No one's, like, digging the frog as a queer icon, but he... <laughs> pretty much is if you think about it well hopefully the shows we're gonna talk about today are doing pride right and not in a weird postmates kind of way (laughs) (laughs) let's hope so anyway so we have a couple of shows that we each wanted to talk about why we like them so much that i guess are considered queer shows because they focus mainly on characters that are somewhere on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. I would say, if I can start here, that my favorite of this genre of shows, I guess, is Looking, which is a show that I've talked about on a mini-sode, one of our early mini-sodes. So if you did not catch that way back in our early days in the middle of 2021, 
I would encourage you to wander back through our history and go listen to it because I just think it's such an important show that has gotten overlooked so much, particularly by a mainstream audience. I think it has quite a bit of recognition within the queer community, but I think that it's definitely a show that anyone can appreciate because it's just a, I would say, the, probably the most subtle presentation of queer relationships that I've ever seen on TV. And the characters are not, it, it's not ignored that they are all queer, but it's not like the focus of who they are. You know, it's right. very much they are just living their lives and they happen to be gay people who are dating and, you know, having normal friendships with other gay people and just figuring out life, you know, as people in their maybe late 20s, to early 30s, typically do and it all just the fact that it's all about queer characters does not dominate any of the show it's all just kind of mundane in a really refreshing way i think did you watch this show before you were out so i first watched looking when i was like how do I want to say it <laughs> i mean i've always known that i'm a homosexual let's not get around that but Looking is a show that I found whenever I was really becoming comfortable with who I was and, you know, not yeah. trying to hide from it anymore and trying to engage more with queer culture. And I, you know, had explored a couple of other shows first and knew that Looking was a show about the gays and was like, well, maybe I'll like this. So I watched it and just fell in love with it and I identified so much with a lot of the journeys of the characters and I... I think that I would like it a lot still, even if I didn't identify with it as much, but it came for me, and I think a pretty pivotal time in my yeah. journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance. So hopefully it has been as meaningful for other people who have watched it, but it's, yeah. I think, a show that I will always have a lot of personal significance tied to. So when I was thinking about shows to talk about today, I approached it not thinking about the shows specifically, but thinking about characters or scenes in shows that I think were really impactful because of their discussion of like queer issues or the representation of people who were queer in a different kind of way. And actually the other night I was just like scrolling online right before bed and I saw the quote from Schitt's Creek that gets regurgitated like all of the time which is when Stevie and David are in the store and they're buying the wine mm -hmm. and Stevie mm -hmm. is kind of in her own way like trying to figure out where David is on the spectrum because I mm -hmm. think in a lot of ways David as a character like most people in America like middle America would look at him and just be like oh he's gay mm -hmm. and I love the way they do it. If you haven't seen the scene, basically she's like, I thought you drank red wine, but, you know, maybe you drink white wine. And then, like, it becomes this whole stand-in for, like, men and women. And then David goes on to be like, I do like white wine and red wine and the occasional rosé and, like, makes it very clear that he's open to dating really anyone. And I think that's just kind of one example of the show. Like, they make it so simple in a way that I think is refreshing to see and like kind of how I like to live my life where like I it doesn't have to 
be as black and white as I think people make it. And it can be this really fluid thing. I mean, I think it sexuality is a spectrum and that's something some people are still unwilling to admit, but is, I think, very true. I think we all fall somewhere in that. And so to see it so just simply represented on screen, and I feel like that scene has become so viral and repeated and like replayed and regurgitated in so many different memes and TikToks and YouTube videos and everything that I feel like it's it's spread out in a way that I hope that maybe it has reached some people and maybe given them pause to th think that you know, maybe sexuality is a little bit different than the way that they thought about it. And it doesn't have to be like a scary thing. It can just be what it is. And yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I also think the show, like there's a point where David and Stevie are dating the same guy. Like <laughs> that kind of a storyline is still kind of fresh on TV. Like you don't see, especially like a hyper-masculine man who is being like a bi an openly bisexual man like that is not something represented on tv very often but that person absolutely does exist in the real world yeah i would say i mean i absolutely agree with everything you said about the spectrum of sexuality and i think more shows are starting to present that in ways that are still cool and make sense from a narrative standpoint but i think that example of schitt's creek is such a good example of a show that can create a scene that's very funny that also addresses mm -hmm. something real like making commentary on our real world and on the way that people are that also works within the context of that world and not every show is able to do that and it's something that I think Schitt's Creek was able to do a whole lot but they did it kind of subversively you know it wasn't yeah. like they were really pushing an agenda at any point with anything that they did but i mean you look at the whole way that david and patrick's relationship took shape and you watch that play out over the course of a couple seasons and it never feels like they're shoving a, a homosexual agenda down your throat it's just right. watching these two characters find each other and fall in love and get married and that's uh, something that still is pretty unique in TV today for it to happen so organically. And I just love the show so much for that. Um, and it's also the kind of show that even if you are not a supporter of gay marriage or gay rights or anything, that you might still want to watch the show because you like enough other things about it that you're willing to, <laughs> you're willing to overlook those things that you don't like. And I think even in doing that, you're, the show can plant seeds in a way that um, the viewer might not even realize is happening. But the more exposure you get to that, the more you realize that, you know, it is a normal part of our world and that can kind of soften some of those walls that people have built up um, about certain opinions and beliefs. Yeah, definitely. I think... I think we've talked about this not on the podcast, but one thing I always try to remind people, like, I feel like with a lot of, like, social issues, like, people want to run, like, full steam ahead, but there are still so many people in America that are so isolated from gay people, from people of other races, and we are unfortunately still at a place where we do need shows 
and forms of media to plant the seeds for people like people like us who grew up in a predominantly white conservative middle of nowhere tiny place in Pennsylvania like for us TV was our window to the bigger world because mm -hmm. we didn't have exposure to those things and so I, I agree I think Schitt's Creek is they did it in a really smart way I mean obviously I agree I brought up the show but <laughs> I think another show that was not very popular but that also did a good job at kind of subversively pushing queer culture forward is Betty which is a show mm -hmm. I talked about in one of our very early minisodes as well and if you have not watched Betty I implore you please go check it out it has been canceled there are only two seasons of six half hour episodes each so it is a very quick binge but absolutely worth your time it is a show about female skateboarders living in New York City, and most of the characters are queer. There's not a lot of focus placed on the fact that they are queer. They are just kind of living their lives, and, you know, they might have these relationships with each other, but that's not ultimately what defines anything about them. And, like, I don't know that... I can't remember offhand the show ever having real discussions about a character's sexuality or anything like that. It all just feels so fluid and, you know, there are obvious lesbian relationships happening and characters who appear to only date women, but it's not such a defining part of their lives that, that it becomes a queer show and, you know, quote unquote. It's, it's just a very, I don't know, unique, chill kind of stoner yeah. vibe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if that's something you're into, then check it out. But um, And that's not even the kind of show that I would say I typically would be that interested in, but I just found it so fascinating yeah. that the show just has a really unique pacing to it, I would say. And Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm -hmm, and there's not really like a whole lot usually that goes on in each episode. You're usually just kind of watching these people live their lives, but they do deal with some, uh, you know, important you know, topics sometimes, like there's um, the differences in treatment of police, of people of color versus white people, and the pandemic is part of season two. There are, are people that wear masks certain places and some that don't, and it's not really a focus of anything, but it's it feels like a pretty true depiction of the way that life actually was during 2020 when the series was being filmed. So um, definitely go check it out if you get a chance. Again, it's called Betty. It's on HBO. I would definitely recommend it. It's just a nice, if you like like a slice of life show, I think it's a it hits on that and it's like I don't know there is something about the pacing and the specifically all of the shots of the skateboarding mm -hmm. that are like so soothing in a weird <laughs> way like just mm -hmm. it's like it's very chill to watch yeah. uh, absolutely and not even just the shots of the skateboarding but just the shots of life happening in New York yes like there are just some extended montages of like people eating ice cream cones on the street and stuff like that that it's like I don't know why I am so drawn to this but it just feels so human and so yeah. real and the acting is never overdone it uh, most of the cast are not professional actors they are just mm -hmm. people who were good at skateboarding who were scouted you know basically to be on this show so it just feels really real I guess and 
I love that. I want to talk about a show I just started watching, which is P-Valley. I've been texting you about it because mm-hmm. I think it's it's so good. I Season one was okay, but I'm in season two right now, and I don't want to, like, go on and on about it because I definitely could. But season two also tackles COVID in a really smart way. Like, it's so intelligent how they use it to build character and, like, it is in the same way you said with Betty, like some people wear masks, some people don't. And it's like not in your face. And I feel like I have seen other shows tackle the pandemic and something about it, like I don't want to watch. It like immediately Mm. puts me off. But I feel like with P-Valley, I don't know, it almost drew me in more because it just felt so relatable and so well done. But I want to talk about a specific character on that show that I think is unlike kind of any character I've seen on TV before and he is queer and I think he is a super important character to represent on TV so there are a lot of queer characters on the show but there is a character named Lil Murder (laughs) Lil Murda I guess and he is a trap rapper from Chuckalisa Mississippi which is where the town is set. And he is just this hyper-masculine, like, man who always wears a grill and, like, is in... Sometimes he is flawed because he is not open about his sexuality. But he is gay. And he ends up having a relationship with a trans character on the show, Uncle Clifford, who runs the strip club that the show is set in. And their relationship is so nuanced and beautiful and complicated because of where it's set, you know, deep South, the black culture is not always the most accepting of gay men, especially in that part of the country. And also just rap in general. I mean, I think it's maybe changed ever so slightly because of Lil Nas X, but I think generally rap is not a very accepting music genre of gay men, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so even though he isn't out yet, and I don't know if he ever will be on the show, and I think it would be actually pretty compelling to watch if he never fully did come out. But I I just think having him on the show at all feels so unusual and he's so watchable and it's painful to see that he can't be fully out and himself but then in the private moments with you know uncle clifford it's just like one of the most fulfilling kind of love stories i've ever seen on tv Hmm. so cool i am very excited to watch it based on things that you've been telling me you've been a a big proponent of this show i would say yeah after you started watching it so it's on my list for sure and yeah. it is on stars. Stars. Weirdly enough. <laughs> Another show that I thought was worth mentioning that we already mentioned earlier in this episode, Hacks, is a show that I is not... I thought about that too. Like, yeah, it's not really a in-your-face queer show, but you have a couple of queer characters and there's, a, I think, such an interesting dynamic between Ava and Deborah, like, that could be a queer love story between them at times but um you know i i can't imagine that those characters were will ever actually 
get together in a romantic sense. But, you know, for a character who does identify as bisexual, like Ava, it probably is such a such a combination of emotions to be developing a love for mm-hmm. this person, but just not a romantic love. And I think that's not something that I've really seen on TV before. I like, that's such an interesting dynamic, and I love the way that they handle their relationship, and I just think it's very cool. And then also you have the character of Marcus, who has a gay relationship, and he's played by a non-binary actor, Carl Clemens Hopkins, I want to say. Yeah, I actually, I thought about bringing up Hax as well, because I, I like the fact that Ava is so just like openly fluid with who she's interested in and Mm -hmm. i think we predominantly see her pursuing women on the show but like she just is i don't know i relate to the way that she approaches her sexuality in that it's just like yeah whatever kind of thing and i agree i think her relationship with deborah it i like the fact that it is on that sort of it's hitting on a lot of different lines. It's a family connection, a work connection, maybe a love connection, like maybe just similar people connection, but they have a lot that's like kind of going on there in a way that I think feels very true to real life, thinking about other relationships that I've had with women or seen other women have with other women. Another show that I think is very adept at kind of exploring sexuality, particularly among younger people, is Euphoria, which I still have not seen the second season, so I can't, you know, speak on anything that might have happened there, but just the relationship between Rue and Jules, and, you know, the fact that Jules is trans and not really out about it, I guess, to everyone. And then you have, what's his name, the Jacob Elordi, I don't remember his Mm -hmm. character. But yes, exploring his sexuality and not being able to you know, be open about that to anyone. And I think that feels so true to a high school experience. From what I understand today, of course, I am an old, old man, so things are very different for high schoolers these days than they were for us. But I think, you know, there are certain things about growing up that stay the same for everyone, no matter what generation you are a part of, no matter what city you live in. You know, there are things that you can identify with, I think, particularly for LGBTQ people. So, you know, there was a lot, even just watching the show, that I was like, okay, I I get that, even though I'm very different <laughs> in some ways yeah. from all of these characters. And it just, it seems like more and more shows are starting to, to appreciate that the journey that a lot of the characters in Euphoria go on and the, you know, experiences they have, the relationships they have, are something that a lot of people have, even if they end up not really identifying as a queer person. There are experiences that people have that might shape them a little, uh, you know, throughout the rest of their life. And, you know, however they end up embracing those experiences or not might have a big impact on them, but they can be so meaningful in those moments of your adolescence I guess that is really explored even more in season two so Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to see your thoughts once you get caught up we get an insight into a character that I didn't think I would end up liking Mm -hmm. that after getting a little bit more of a background on I ended up loving so okay cool yeah yeah well I feel like 
we should go because I am, I don't know if my voice sounds bad to the listeners, but I am still not feeling well. And mm. I think if I sit here any longer, I'm going to pass out. So oh, I'm <laughs> should sorry. probably go. Okay. Well, you know, we could probably sit here and talk all day about different queer shows, but Definitely. bottom line is there are wonderful things happening for LGBTQ plus representation on television, and there have been for years, and we encourage you to go and check out some of those shows, not just during Pride Month, but all, all year the round. Time. Right. <laughs> yes. And while you're at it, head on over to our TikTok at Televisionary Pod. We've got several videos now specifically focused on queer shows, I guess. We talk mm-hmm. a little bit about Golden Girls over there and RuPaul. So check it out and Instagram at Televisionary Podcast. Yeah. And thank you for listening. And we hope you'll catch us next time. I've been Cody Hoffman. And I've been Elena Hillard. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.